Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Inspiring you to bring God back into the conversation of the day. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles. Arms out wide. If we're gonna fear, we fear no evil. We will rise. By your power, we will go. By your spirit, we are bold. If we're gonna stand, we stand as giants. If we're gonna walk, we walk as lions. Good morning. Good morning. I'm Carmen LaBerge, and yes, I have a bit of a froggy voice this morning, so. Thank you for your uh, continued prayers for the restoration of my, well, you know, throat, sinuses, all the parts. Um, appreciate appreciate your tra- travel mercy prayers yesterday. Um, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. It is the 31st of March, 2023. And because it's the 31st of March, it makes it my mom's birthday. So happy birthday, Ruth Ann. She's 85 today. Happy, happy birthday. Uh, birthdays matter, but I would argue that rebirthdays actually matter even more. So if you want to pop over to my website, CarmenLaBerge.com, you can read my thoughts on rebirthdays. Yep. <clears throat> so you got you have a rebirthday if you're a Christian, if you haven't thought about that before. So and actually every Christian's rebirthday is coming up um, on Easter if uh if you don't actually know the day and time when you came to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, um, your salvation is accomplished on the cross and through the resurrection. And so um, you can celebrate your rebirth day on any of those days that you want to lay claim to. Today is Growing Your Faith verse of the day, which you can sign up for at MyFaithRadio.com, is 1 Peter 5, 8. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Uh, So are you alert? Are you alert to the enemy's, the reality of the enemy, the enemy's tactics, the enemy's schemes? Or, you know, have you written it off as, oh, you know, the enemy is really just the enemy of God, so I don't really need to worry about the enemy because Jesus took care of all that. Well, while that is true, Uh, The devil is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour, um, looking for a way in to your life. This this passage from 1 Peter 5 makes it abundantly clear that the enemy is not just the enemy of God. The enemy is your enemy. Be alert and of sober mind, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So are you... um, actively making use of the weapons, the spiritual weapons that God has given you to fight the good fight? Are you putting on the full armor of God every day? Are you guarding your heart and mind with the word of God? Are you sober and sober-minded? You might uh, reread the book of Philippians today and look for every reference to the mind of Christ, the mind of Christ. Um, That is the sober mind, the mind that is cultivated in Christ, having the mind of Christ on the matters of the day. And again, uh, this isn't just the enemy of God. This is your enemy. This is your enemy, the devil, prowling around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Jesus describes the enemy as, you know, coming to kill and steal and destroy versus himself, 
um, as the good shepherd who comes um, that we might have life and have it abundantly. So I encourage you to um, spend some time today being actively alert, thinking about what it means to be sober-minded in the days in which we live, and actually look around, look around your life today and consider the places and spaces, the relationships, the temptations, um, the activities that you really need to guard against the enemy um, prowling around right now. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. All right, the big, 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 big news of the day is that former President Donald Trump has been indicted in one of several pending investigations. And if you just dropped your coffee, I'm so sorry. Um, So the charge or charges, because we don't actually know, the indictment is sealed, so we don't actually know what the grand jury um, uh, agreed to in terms of an indictment. So we don't know the charge or the charges. Um... And so I'm going to encourage you to resist the temptation to speculate or let your imagination run wild. Um, An indictment is notable, but an indictment is um, the first step in what is generally a very, very, very long legal process. And in this case, will certainly be a very long legal process. Um, And in all likelihood, a judge is, I mean, we don't know what the charges are, so it's like speculative for me to say that, you know, in all likelihood, a judge is going to throw this out. But there are um, lots of very complicated legal um, precedents that would have to be set in order for this to proceed. And so, uh, or proceed, you know, like ultimately to the former president being convicted of a crime. And so just know that. So it's very notable news. Um, And it's also notable that it came very late yesterday, after five o'clock Eastern, Um, And just so that you know, Thursday before Palm Sunday uh, in D.C. is the day everybody leaves town. So all the members of Congress were actually gone. They had gone home for Easter and Passover recess. Um, And so that's why you're not hearing um, very many, um, you know, direct responses to the indictment of the president because, you know, their press teams are not with them. Um, and their ability to access media is very different in D.C. than it is in all the places across the country where, you know, they're spread out when they go home. There are a number of cases that, I mean, you know, this is in my opinion, would be far more likely to result in a conviction if prosecutors decided to proceed with those cases. The Georgia case related to the 2020 presidential election, the January 6th case, the Mar-a-Lago documents case, Um, That last one, I mean, again, in my opinion, um, is the government's most obvious case to prove. Uh, And before you say, but what about Joe Biden and Mike Pence? They had documents they weren't supposed to have. Um, Okay, that's actually not the issue that the government would likely be prosecuting. If the attorney general were to decide to proceed in that case, it would probably be a charge of like obstruction of justice, which is... Um, a fairly easy case for the government to prove, and they're really good um, 
they're really good at making obstruction uh, charges. So um, you're going to hear a lot of very strong opinions and vitriol about the indictment of the former president. Uh, he will uh, he's likely I mean, you know, there's there'll be some like organized negotiated process where he, you know, surrenders to authorities and, um, you know, he gets a mugshot taken and his fingerprinted, which I find a little silly because certainly the government has his photograph and his fingerprints. But there you go. Um, this has literally never happened before in American history. But it's not the first time that um, that a president has been arrested. It's the first time a president has been indicted, but it's not the first time that a president has been arrested. Does that surprise you? So here you go, because I feel like you need a talking point today in relationship to this that um, allows you to enter into a conversation that doesn't take you down a conspiratorial rabbit hole and into, you know, the depths of really divisive conversation in the country. So I'm going to give you this talking point. Enter President Ulysses S. Grant. In 1872, the former leader of the Union Army was arrested in the District of Columbia for speeding in a horse-drawn carriage. Dun-dun-dun! Speeding carriages had become a problem in the district, and the president only added to it. It was reported that President Ulysses S. Grant had a, quote, smile on his face when he was stopped, which made him look like a, quote, schoolboy who had been caught in a guilty act by a teacher. My guess is we have all done things. I mean, I know we have. <laughs> I, know, I know we have all done things that are sinful, right? All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Um, we've probably all done things that are technically illegal. Um, I mean, if you look closely enough at anyone's life and you actually apply the letter of the law in every case at every level, you know, my guess is there's something in each of our lives, in all of our lives that could be for which we could be indicted, arrested and, and prosecuted. The question is, what actually rises to the level of um, making this kind of massive, massive change in American history where um, for some people, for some people, this is going to um, inflame them all the more um, as if the now leading Republican candidate for the 2024 election cycle, um, to their view, is being unfairly targeted by a Democratic prosecutor. And that is bad for our country. So um, let's let's stay focused today on what we do know. He's been indicted. We don't know the charges. Um, let's be focused today um, on on the process, which will likely be long. Um, and let's be sure that you know we're we're the people that bring something to the conversation that maybe lightens um, things and doesn't um, you know doesn't just on either side of the aisle um, end up in grossly conspiratorial thinking. All right, you're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge. This is Faith Radio. So glad you are listening to Mornings with Carmen. This is Bill Arnold. I would love for you to check out my podcast in the afternoons. It's called Afternoons with Bill Arnold. Spent the entire marketing budget coming up with that name. But we do scripture engagement and have lots of fun. Make sure you can check it out at myfaithradio.com.
All right, we're just going to spend a minute here talking amongst ourselves because I want to um, share this uh, news with you out of Kentucky, actually the Kentucky-Tennessee border. Um, Nine soldiers, nine American members of the U.S. Army um, were killed last night when two Black Hawk helicopters helicopters crashed after a medical evacuation exercise. Um, Military officials um, are reporting that two Black Hawk assault helicopters from the 101st Airborne Division, which is based in Fort Campbell, Kentucky, just north of um, just well, just north of where I live. So uh, collided over Trigg County, Kentucky, about 10 p.m. last night. The helicopters were flying in what um, officials are describing as a multi-ship formation, personnel using night vision goggles. Um, and so we want to be you know, praying for these families I'm going to be praying for the 101st Airborne Division. I'm going to be praying for the guys that are going to get in choppers today and practice doing the same thing. Um, more than 20 million men and women have valiantly served in the U.S. Armed Forces. And so um, I'm going to encourage us to thank one of them today. Do you know a member of the U.S. military currently serving or um, you know, a veteran, somebody who has formerly served? These individuals risked their future so that you and I might have one. And we're never going to know the depths of their service or the sacrifices they made, but we should never stop trying to express our appreciation for their service. So I want you to seek out a military family today or a member of the military um, and tell them how grateful you are for their service. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. Oh, I got a whole nother section, don't I, Paul? Uh, yeah, yeah. You're going way early. I mean, if you could go for about another no. eight minutes, would be I good. Have, I have. Yeah, you see that it's down there in my next section of the notes. But I'll do it right now. Why not? Okay, Why not? yeah. So, um, so because I don't watch MSNBC, I was not, um, I was not personally uh, privy to this particular exchange. Um, but a, a MSNBC host, Joy Reid... Um, hosted transgender activist Charlotte Clymer on her show um, to give a response to um, what is viewed by her and others as, you know, like the targeting of transgender people after the shooting in Nashville where the, um, where the shooter identified as transgender, a biological female who um, identified as, um, as male. For what period of time is still unclear, um, and so it's been pointed out that, or it's, or the question has been raised. You know, did that play a role in the targeting of the Covenant School? Uh, and so, a host on um, on Fox News stated this week that Christianity and trans ideology are inherently opposed to each other, and to that, this trans activist on this NBC show said, well, I would challenge anyone just to know trans people. We are a vibrant, diverse community. I'm from the great state of Texas. I served in the military. I go to church every Sunday. My faith is very important to me, but God made me in her image. God made me transgender. That is a quote from this Charlotte Clymer um, to Joy Reid on MSNBC. So I want us to just pause right there and ask the question, um, I know that you, tri- you, you tripped over the fact that God was referred to as female. That's not what I'm going to focus on. I'm going to focus on the last part, God made me transgender. I want you to just pause there for a moment. What does that mean? 
What does that mean? If God is the one, as the Bible says, who knits you together in your mother's womb and you are fearfully and wonderfully made, if God has known you before the foundations of the earth, um, then what does it mean that you think you were born in the wrong body? That suggests that God made at least a mistake in the knitting together process, that God at least made a mistake um, in the womb, that God at least made a mistake when you were conceived as a biological male or biological female. And so this notion that God made me, I would say in his image, she is saying God made me in her image and that God made me transgender. This is worth unpacking. It's worth raising in conversation today. The next part is also essential to talk about. Joy Reid went on to ask this uh, transgender activist, Charlotte Clymer, how do you feel, what do you feel when somebody says that transgender people are at war with Christians? Charlotte Clymer said, I can't see Christ in their words. Um, let's think about that for just a moment. What, what does that mean? What does it mean to see Christ in someone's words? It's the truth spoken in love. To see Christ in words um, is to see the truth, capital T. It's to see the goodness and the beauty and the truth that are transcendent. It is uh, to see the sacrifice made for sin. It is uh, to see the power of um, a resurrected life. It means we see our sin and our sinfulness and our need for a savior. So today, we want people to be able to see Christ in our words. And so what might we say to a person who is transgender, who identifies as transgender, who has heard this, who has heard some people say that transgender people are at war with Christians? What would it look like for you and I to seek out a person who is transgender and have a conversation with them about that? What would that look like? What would that sound like? Do you even know? a person who identifies as something other than their biological sex. You and I have to lean into these conversations. We got to not, not lean in with anger and not lean in with uh, things that are punitive, but lean in with grief and with concern and lean in with um, empathy. We're not going to woo someone um, if we're just condemning them. So what would it look like to woo someone to the truth today that they might see Christ in our words? You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. We're talking baseball, Klazuski, Campanella, talking baseball, the man and Bobby Fella, the scooter. The All right. Opening day was yesterday for Major League Baseball. Do you care? Is baseball your uh, is baseball your sport? Do you have a team? The Twins won yesterday. For those of you <laughs> listening in, oh, sorry, it's okay. <laughs> for those of you listening in the Twin Cities, for those of you listening elsewhere, um, I'll just confess: I don't know if your team won or not. But uh, I know if you live in Kansas City, your team lost because that's who the Twins were playing. There you go. Um, I would encourage you to think about um, uh, making it all the way home. Like, right? Uh, so 
I mean, you know, this is this goes back so far, but um, back in the day, this was the illustration that Rick Warren used to talk about the Christian life. Like, what does it look like to make it to first base? And what does it look like to make it to second base? And what does it look like to make it to third base as we mature in Christ and grow up in him and become mature? And, and then what does it look like to make it all the way home? Have you thought about home lately? Have you thought about going home? All the way home to the Father's house? Who are you concerned today is not headed in that direction? How might on... You know, how might you use something like baseball to make a pitch and invite them um, to consider walking with you in the journey of faith? Like, what might that look like today? Because it's God's desire that everybody would make it all the way home. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. The key in life as we come to God in Scripture is not to get more Bible knowledge. It's to apply what we know. Life change never occurs as a result of knowing more and more and more. Life change is always a function of acting on what we know. Jesus said, if you respond to the light, the truth that I give you, I'll give you more light. If you do not respond to the light or the truth that I give you about your life, even what you have will be taken away. Singing, oh, keep me in the moment. Connecting faith to life. Faith Radio. And MyFaithRadio.com. Hey, joining us now, Rena. Rena File. Rena is a college student studying at Covenant College in Georgia. She's a biology major. She hopes to uh, share the gospel through studying God's creation. Rena, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Thank you so much. Hi, Ms. Carmen. How are you? Uh, I'm. I am. Well, I'm a little froggy today. I don't ordinarily <laughs> sound quite this froggy, but um, but otherwise, I'm I'm well. Thank you so much. Um, tell people. Um, Tell people about Covenant College. Uh, for those who are not familiar, like give us a sense of the geography and and your experience there. Yeah, for sure. Um, so Covenant College, it's located on Lookout Mountain, Georgia. Um, it currently has about a thousand students, so we're a pretty small um, but really tight knit Christian community here. Um, and it's um, well, first it's known for the beauty of the mountain. Um, it used to be a hotel. Um, and the Covenant College bought it. So it's very much known for um, the landscape, like you said, and where it's located. Um, but moreover, I think a really distinguishing part about Covenant is that the Christian community um, and the intentional way that um, professors pour into students and really seek to shape their lives um, and make them culture shapers instead of those that are simply shaped by culture. Um, so I really appreciate that part about Covenant, especially how my professors um, pour into me in that way. People are delighting right now. I'm just letting you know, Rena. They're people are <laughs> delight. They're just delighting right now. Um, so thank you so much for joining us today. You have a piece um, posted 
that you wrote at uh, thegospelcoalition.org, for those of you who are looking for it. Gen Z, let the gospel transform your creativity. What um, what argument are you making in this piece? Oh, sorry, did you say what motive? Or what what argument are you making? What are you addressing? Oh, okay. Um, well, I wanted to speak to my generation, um, but I also wanted to speak to, um, I guess, just anyone who who opened the article and um, was seeking to have eternal perspective in whatever they do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not exactly an expert on the subject, but I just wanted to encourage my peers in that um, because I myself have struggled with finding eternal perspective. Um, mm. I think there's so much in my generation, there's so much searching and um, just grasping for meaning. And of course, I think that's true of every generation and, all people um, apart from God, but I just really wanted to share that encouragement with my peers um, as I see so many gifts that my peers have, um, but it's it's lacking this eternal perspective um, and it, it's just empty without the gospel. Um, so I really wanted to uh, share this message with my peers because um, the gospel will transform everything we do and will make every day count. Um, and I myself so often lose this perspective. So I just wanted to put out a word of encouragement. I um, I love how it starts. I mean, in terms of like, you know, gazing into the night sky. Um, yeah. And I love, you know, I love where you head. I mean, you know, God is this, <laughs> God's creative order is just so magnificent. Uh, it's, uh, it, it's, it's just awe-inspiring. And our creativity um you know, one of the things that you say is a gift with a purpose to glorify the God whose image we bear. Can you talk about that creativity as a gift with a purpose? Sure. Um, well, I guess my thinking when I wrote that um, was everything that is given to us by God is, um, including all the blessings in our lives, I believe is something we should give back to him. Um I really think that um, if we just try to keep it for ourselves or keep it for our own purposes, um, it not only is wrong, but it also um, leaves us empty and devoid of um, the worship that um, fulfills us and also points us towards our creator. Um, So I think as I wrote that, I really centered around the idea of creativity as an act of worship. and everything we do is an act of worship. Um, I've had some teachers in my life, um, in my high school and growing up, who have really um, shaped me in this way and have really modeled for me um, what it looks like to live every day in worship. And I just really seek to, um, I really pray that God would help me do that in my own life. Um, and I think that as a generation, Gen Z, and also as a society, as we seek to um give back to our creator what he has given to us, we'll find that there's so much joy in that and in thanking him um, for all that he's blessed us with and most of all for the gift of life through Jesus Christ, his son, whom he's raised from the dead. Um, Yeah, so I think giving back to God um, in joyful thanks is, um, yeah, such a worshipful thing and something we should be pursuing. Amen. Amen. I like your emphasis on how we do it in every part of life, in every 
um, you know, through a- every avenue of um, of study and work and service. It's a, um, a very holistic uh, perspective, and I appreciate that. Uh, maybe, um, Rena, you could you could tell us what you wish people like me. So uh, I'm almost fifty five. What do you wish people like me knew about people like you? Ooh, that's hard. <laughs> um, glad you asked that, but to rack my brain a little bit. Um, <laughs> well, like a generational thing. Like when you think about your parents or grandparents, um, what do you wish people in those generations knew about? At, I mean, I know you can't speak for Gen Z because like that's like impossible to do, but you can <laughs> speak for like you and the people that you know. Um that's a really hope-filled generation, and um, I think that there are a lot of folks who don't know that. Hmm. Well, I guess um, I would say, I think, well, this is my personal opinion. I just think that the younger generation needs to learn from older folks more. Um, hmm. So I guess that's more on the part of us. Um, but I've been so blessed by conversations with my grandparents um, I don't know who I would be or where I would be without my parents. Um, and so just, yeah, I really think something's lacking um, in the communication and conversation between um, the younger generation, and the older generation. And part of that, I think, is technology. Um, I think younger people, I, I think Gen Z, um, generally, um, from what I've seen and experienced, we have so many things at our fingertips. And so it's... Um, we're always looking for the next thing, for the next stimulus, for the next whatever it is, excitement. Um, so that makes it really hard for us to sit still and listen. But I think that's a gift that we as a generation need to develop more um, is the ability to sit still and listen, not only to each other, but also to people who are older than us and have walked more life paths than we have, um, especially older Christians. So I guess it's more on our part. But, yeah, I really think that communication is lacking. Um and I really hope that the younger generation is able to develop um, a more listening relationship with the older generation and to learn from them. That is super encouraging. Um, thank you so much. Um, I think that one of the things that that points to is the need for more mature Christians, uh, older Christians, to actively pursue mentoring relationships with younger Christians. Um, but I'll just confess to you, we don't exactly know how to do that. Like we feel weird about saying to, um, you know, saying to a college student, Hey, you know, would you, would you like to, I don't know what what I would even say, do you want to be mentored? Like, that seems so weird for us, but maybe that doesn't seem like weird to you. Hmm. I think I've heard of some friends who, um, who they have been approached like that. Um, by people in their church or just people in their lives and they've really mm-hmm. valued it. Um, yeah, I I think younger people, well, from what I've seen, um, would really value it, even if it was a little weird at first. Uh, but I think that deep down, they really do appreciate it when older folks reach out to them and want to hear them and mentor them. Um, so I think a lot of young people just want to be heard and have someone listening to them. Who care? All right. What yeah. What are you studying right now? What are you What are you working on? There's probably a paper on your desk. <laughs> well, my chemistry textbook was on my desk a second ago, mm-hmm. um, but I'm studying um, bio right now. I'm a biology major with um, environmental concentration. Um, so yeah. 
Okay, I love that there is a, a vibrant young Christian like you studying um, biology uh, and and the environment. Um, maybe maybe give us a, a Christian worldview talking point or two on that subject. Ooh, okay. Um, maybe we answer the question. Okay, so here's you know here's here's what the person uh, is saying. They are saying that. Um, uh, if you're a Christian, then, um, you know, you're absolutely, you should absolutely not be supportive of fossil fuels. You should be, um, you should be a creationist in terms of, um, the flourishing of the oceans and you should be concerned about all of these things, all of which I agree with, but, but there's also a balance, right, to human flourishing. So maybe balance the environmental concern with the human flourishing concern. Hmm. Right. That is a very important point. Um, I think as I've gone into this field um, a little bit, I mean, I'm still a, uh, my first year at college, but as I've learned, started to learn more about this field, um, I've started to realize, yeah, this balance, like you mentioned, um, there's like two ends of a spectrum. And I think that the Christian perspective is very important in um, balancing that and giving the a right perspective Um to the whole field and to how we approach humans interaction with creation. Um, like you said, there's definitely that dichotomy between, um, creation has to exist, um, as it is without humans and we have to protect it at all costs. And the other end of the spectrum, which is, um, exploitation, of course. Um, but I think the the Christian perspective, like you said, brings so much balance because, um, it's at the same time creation, does exist for our benefit. And um, there's so many things still to be discovered, like medicines and and different things in nature um, that is for our benefit and that God put there um, for our good. And on the other hand, there's also, it's for his glory. Um, Creation just sings out God's praise and we should respect that and protect the intricacies of it and the beauties of it um, because it is made by our creator and reflects his glory. So I think the Christian perspective um, really can put an end to that spectrum, that weird dichotomy, um, and really help us to live in a healthy way, in a healthy relationship, not only with creation, but with each other. That's so good. That's so good. Um, Rena, thank you so much for joining us today. That's Rena File. You can read um, some of what she has written at thegospelcoalition.org. There's a piece up um, by her called Gen Z, Let the Gospel Transform Your Creativity. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. So for the last uh, couple of days, I've been at the Christian Leadership Alliance Outcomes Conference, where I had the opportunity to be a 
speaker and um some of you have asked what I talked about so I talked about person place and thing in every conversation that we have um there is at the center of it a person a place and a thing and so when you think about um the person that's in the conversation you are one person in the conversation there is another person in the conversation but you are also representing a third person in that conversation. Jesus is present in and through you by the power of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is the one who wants to have an encounter with that other person. And so when we think about um, every story centering around a person, a place, and a thing, sometimes we get fixated on the other person instead of being used as a conduit or an agent of grace of Christ, who we are in that conversation to represent. So how are you going to represent Christ in the conversation with this other person? Well, first of all, you as a person have to get out of the way. Like you can't you can't be getting defensive. You can't be um uh offering um input that is not godly and not consistent with scripture because that is a misrepresentation of Christ. People can't hear Christ when we represent him in ways that are inconsistent with the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments. And so, you know, we we have to know those. And then there's place. And when I say that, you are probably thinking, well, I mean, yeah, if I'm in a conversation with a person, like we're inhabiting the same physical space, like the same, you know, couple square feet of real estate. But I want you to think about place as uh, as where that person is. So you, as one person in the conversation, you know, you're in a particular place. You're, head, you gotta, you're in a head space. You're in a heart space. You're in a, uh, you have a, um, you got things on your mind. Um, you have a social location, all of that. That other person is also um, in, a, in a space or in a place. And you don't know exactly where they're coming from. You don't know where they've been. And you don't know um you know, where they're headed. Um, And so when we think about person, place, and thing, there are levels to all of these. And the thing is, um, you know, the presenting issue is one thing. um, But behind that and under that and beneath that is the real thing, the real issue. And that's always God. It's, It's always God. No matter what the presenting issue is, the thing, um, the thing behind the thing is always God. So here's a little exercise that you can um, do with me. So if I say Adam, and then I say, who's the other person in the conversation? You say Eve, and I say the place, and you say the garden, and then I say the thing, and you're going to start with the apple. Everybody does. Everybody answers this the same way. Adam, Eve, the garden, the apple. But I want you to think about the person at the center of that story. There's a third person walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And it's God. And and the place that they're in is um, ultimately the place where humanity severs it, its relationship in such a way that God must do um, the unthinkable, and that is send his one and only son as an atoning sacrifice for sin. So the place um, in the Garden of Eden 
is also the Garden of Gethsemane. It's also Calvary. It's also the empty tomb. It's also um, the the mount from which Christ ascended. And it's also the place you are right now. Right now. And the thing, the thing's not an apple. The thing is not an apple. The thing is failing to trust God in what he says about who you are. Um, his desire to be in an ongoing relationship with you. And and sin. The thing is sin. So let's do another one of those fill in the blank. If the person is Christ and the place is Calvary, what's the thing? The thing is the cross. And let me just say, the thing is always the cross. But I want you to think of the other people who were there that day. There was a person on Jesus's left and a person on his right There was the centurion at the foot of the cross. There was his mother and the other women. There was John. Um, There were people there uh, on Calvary that day. And what's the place? It's Golgotha. It's, um, It's Calvary. It's the place where every single one of us bears a responsibility um, for what God has done in Christ Jesus. That's the place. And the thing, the thing is the cross. The thing is the cross. Um, as you enter into conversations today, I want you to consider the person. You as a person, you as a person in the conversation, representing Christ to the other person who God loves and made and knit together um, and has a passion to reach. And I want you to think about the place. I want you to think about where this person is coming from, where they are. And try to inhabit that place for just a moment. It's not about where you stand. It's about where they're standing. And the thing, the issue behind every issue, the issue is always God. And so how can you move the conversation today from whatever the thing is, the presenting issue, to a conversation about God? That will be so edifying uh, for you and so glorifying to God. And who knows, it might move the heart of another person to a new place, even to the very foot of the cross. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge, and this is Faith Radio. Let's think for just a moment about being fools for Christ. Tomorrow is April Fool's Day. Um, What does it look like to be a fool for Christ in the world? Um, You could could think about foolishness in terms of what the scripture has to say. Psalm 14, 1 states, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. Um, And so you you could certainly talk about that. First Corinthians 1, 18 to 25 reminds us that the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But uh, to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? 
For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand miraculous signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. So when it comes to the cross, count me a fool. (laughs) When it comes to the cross, count me a fool. April Fool's Day um, feels like a really good opportunity for you and I to bear positive public witness to the foolishness of the cross. Um, when you when you think about um, what God has done, uh, it's ridiculous. I mean, it's just utterly ridiculous, and yet it's it's the power of God unto salvation. Just think about that for a moment. Um, have you ever been? Um, called a fool because of Jesus? Have you ever been um, written off? Have you ever been, sure, you know, people rolled their eyes at you? Um, they did the same to him. And so this is, that's one of those times that, uh, first of all, it's a prime opportunity to talk about um, God's wisdom and man's foolishness and the foolishness of God, or what seems like foolishness. Um, But it's also a wonderful opportunity to consider that it is foolish to regard God as not. It is foolish to regard God as if he is not. And this is the foolishness of atheism. It's the foolishness of imagining that this world is all there is, and we are the pinnacle um, of it, and that uh, our life counts in ways that um, are more than grass and chaff. You matter to God. He made you. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. And the cross is for you today. But it is foolishness to believe in the death and resurrection of a man unto salvation. But when it comes to the cross... Count me a fool. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We got another hour up next. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.